Okay, let's try and get some sort of content going. Hey, hello! It's me, Jordan. Remember me from the internet? Probably not, because this is a podcast with two listeners. <laughs> but, hey, it's it's around. Should check it out. Kind of podcasting. I heard it's the future of entertainment and all that good stuff. Um... So, uh, anyway, I guess uh, I'm, I'm back. Uh, apologies uh, before we start the show. <laughs> uh, not because it delays anything. Fuck that. I mean, if everyone should know by now why there's delays. What I'm trying to tell you is sorry for my voice. <laughs> uh, it's been very windy, and I'm a bit tired, and there's a bit of a snuffy nose. So if, I, if it sounds like uh, Tom Likas, I guess... Uh, <laughs> Well, it's, that's the show for you this week. Hope you had fun. Uh, anyway, um, let's, let's start today's episode. It's a rambly episode. Welcome to Podcast Run Haas. I'm Jordan Haas. It's the show where I usually talk about anything but game shows on this show. Um, and we have a lot to talk about. It's been a month. Over a month. Uh, so, uh, first of all, we'll get the first news out of the way. Congrats uh, to the writers' uh, strike. We're getting resolved. Congrats to SAG After for reaching a tentative deal. That means a lot of people might get back to work, and lots of movies will be made and then burnt to an oblivion on the internet because that's just how it goes. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. I, to me, it, it's it's because maybe it's because like, I'm a SoCal guy and you have friends in the industry. It's just happy to see them get back to work and have a deal that works for them. Hopefully, um, that that to me is the is the good stuff. Um, when it when it comes to, to the show, I it's going to be a lot of fucking game shows and reality shows for the foreseeable future until they make the TV shows and streaming, and it's just going to keep going. Um, so I'm glad not a lot of really bad ideas happened. It just sort of seems like they did some variant on. Uh, Love Island Games, for instance. Like, I'm not going to review Love Island Games. Because I feel like there's this, like, weird... <clears throat> Alright. I recorded this uh, in the Game Show Network episodes. Um, a lot of game shows, which are game shows, are culinary, dating. Uh, and those are just, like, okay. Culinary is just a competition show about who can bake the best cupcake. Or make the best five-course meal to impress Gordon Ramsay. Uh, the dating shows, you know, it's cheap because you can just book a little area. You're filming for maybe a day and you're done. Uh, 
and that's how you get your MTV Nexes, and that's how you get your blind dates, and all this other dating shows. It's why The Bachelor has probably stayed on the air on ABC for quite a long time, is because of how cheap that show is. And what you're seeing now is a reality show, uh, I would say reality show reunion kind of shows. The challenge has been was started out as like the original one because it was real world and road rules people coming back and they're playing games. Uh, the surreal life had surreal life games. There was like a competition show. I love money was one, uh, and those were all kind of fun, uh, frantic things. And in fact, the head of the surreal life is now I think the head of the Television Academy. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, and. and and now we're seeing that again. The challenge is now on CBS, and it has Big Brother contestants and Survivor contestants. And you're seeing that also uh, uh, with uh, the not Netflix Cup. What is it called? The uh, I said Love Love Island Games, there and uh, Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, it, it, it's all these little competitiony formats. House of Villains is the one that springs to mind the most because that's the one people talk about because it's all the villains of reality shows living in a house to be the best villain who's the best backstabber when everyone's a backstabber makes for an actually interesting show. But it it's all kind of blends together because it all is essentially, when it comes to a reality competition show, generic. I, I It's the... To me, when you look at a reality competition show now, it's what's the challenges like. When you see something like The Mole, you're supposed to have like an espionage kind of game. Or, I guess when it came to 007, uh, which I reviewed uh, recently, uh, but you're not going to hear that for quite a while. Um, it's the, uh, the, it's... You get a question, then a mission, then a question, then a mission. And the, the, the missions start out easy and then get more challenging over times. The first two were in Scotland. And one was essentially going over a hill and finding one in a lake, which means you have to go into a very cold lake and grab a case. And then the other one uh, is like in a cave or in, in, a, in a balloon and you have to find it. It, see, and then it escalates to oh no, snakes and spiders, or crocodiles, or a piranha uh, thing, or a heights challenge, and it, it, it they all sort of blend together. And when you watch so much Fort Boyard, and you watch so much game shows, it, it kind of it's a it's a give and take. As many of you know, I really love watching game shows no shit i watch a lot of game shows around the world i don't speak german but i have watched german game shows i don't speak Deutsch, but i've watched uh, the taskmaster over there i there is a brazilian taskmaster going on right now and there's a, a taskmaster world has some subtitles and it's a very good show i still think it's one of the best modern formats out there to show um comedians uh, levels of, of thinking uh, but but I love these kind of international formats but with every pro because holy shit I feel like I, it, it feels like I'm globetrotting it feels like I'm around the world someone in these countries obviously have been watching these shows otherwise they wouldn't be made 
But what, what I love about them, and also international snacks, I, I it's it's I want to snack and watch TV. <laughs> That's what I've learned is I'm a home potty. I love snacks. I love video games and watching TV. But I love to know about them from all over the world. I, I do that with board games. I do that. It, it, to me, I, it, it's kind of a fascination. I, I would say that I think that's kind of what changed what changes my perspective a bit from being obsessive like like most game show people like when you watch a game show clip on the internet look at the comment section it's like this episode was upload was was uh released on this date it's episode number 14 2 and 2 and this person wore this and i don't care about that shit what i do care about is did that show have a spinoff in in another country i want to see that version I, if, if they made a, a version of Deal or No Deal, I want to see every version of it. Um, <coughs> so when someone has a new format, like The Chase in the UK, I'm there. Uh, or in the case of France, a long-running show, Fort Boyard, which has Ono Snakes and Spiders before the days of Fear Factor. And they had a, a bungee jumping challenge really around the time of uh, a Road Rules because that adrenaline kind of thing. So they have these kind of new challenges. But the problem is, once you see so many of the tasks and challenges, you sort of get desensitized to a lot of them, and you're like, oh, okay, well, this is the one where they're going to have to put their hands in a snake pit to grab a thing, and hopefully that's it. it. Oh, this is the one where they have to eat a gross substance of some kind. And that gross substance can be anywhere between something you can just do on youtube like mayonnaise or mustard or cinnamon all the way to ooh, blended up uh, eyeballs and uh what's that that uh what's that 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 bean uh that's that's popular in in asia that's like natto Ooh, you're eating natto and it's all sticky i saw that on fear factor the ludicrous fear factor and i'm like this is the shittiest fucking show now <laughs> I remember when Fear Factor was really big, um, the appeal of that show wasn't Joe Rogan screaming at you to eat, like, penis. Because, obviously, that's I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here's success is celebrities eating penis. Uh, it is the, the, the third act. I would say that's the, the act people love the most. Everyone always says the, the gross out, but I think it's those final challenges that you're in a car, you've got to drive it into a truck, one of those. Like, those are the cool ones. Uh, and it's like, I'm sitting there going, they, they haven't really replicated those kind of challenges in quite a while. And then if you want to go into a cheaper standpoint, things like Hunted exist in the UK, and it was a success in Australia, and it wasn't a success in America, even though I think it was really cool that they kind of were attempting to make it uh, that each season was a different part of the country, and the first one was Georgia and Florida. Uh, but it didn't work, <laughs> and I was so disappointed. Uh, anyway, um, when you watch so many of these game shows, you get desensitized to the challenges. So a lot of these new formats, I come in and they might be actually good, and I just go, oh, so you're going to give, you're going to let the 20-something-year-olds in a bikini go on a beach and do something uh, mildly suggestive oh okay well they did that in like 2003 so i guess what's old is new again again uh, hey yeah, I, 
it's sort of it is why I, I I it I don't want it to ruin my judgment when it comes to reviewing game shows. Double O Seven, to me, very good cinematography, but the challenges are a little, uh, except for the ones that were very Bond inspired, such as uh, I think it was Skyfall that had the uh, Swiss Alps uh, stop, and yeah, and and James was like in a shaky ski lift I thought that was a really cool challenge um but it, it sort of is like oh dear I don't want to watch these shows but I I feel the obligation because that's kind of where I spent a good chunk of my life especially because it's something I really love um so I ended up watching Deal or No Deal and again I review that show as well um it's two episodes in as of the time of this recording, and I will say the original Deal or No Deal, it was a 5 out of 5 show. It didn't really find its footing until like like 10, 20 episodes in, but it also had a lot more money at stake, and I think that swayed a lot of the decision making on the show. You're only giving a hundred thousand dollars and your power five is ten thousand dollars onwards that's not a dream factory that's barely enough to even buy a car uh, and on the original version almost 20 years ago hey you could win a like the the power five started at thirty five thousand. that was not just a car that's a luxury car so it, there was enough for it to feel like everything meant something and when $10,000 was kind of like an average offer from time to time, it made for an interesting, dramatic show. When you're seeing people in a chair, which is the whole focus of Deal or No Deal, it's that decision-making aspect of this is life-changing amounts of money to walk away right now, versus, hey, I still have a chance at big money here. <laughs> I think it, it it's a case of Well, and it's only like a few thousand dollars. You're just most likely going to take a risk until there's a point when it feels stupid and you don't want to take it anymore. And that doesn't make for interesting television. That just says, well, I don't need to watch it until the very end. And that's not really why you want to watch a game show like Deal or No Deal. You want to watch it the entire way through. That's why you want to watch a lot of game shows. I feel like a big problem with most game shows is... It's the, you have a good game, but a terrible presentation, or you have a good game, but something along the end just sort of dilutes it, or kills it, or makes it terrible. I think Stephen Mulhern is okay currently, but he's still in that, uh, that Saturday primetime, hey, how's it going? Welcome to Deal or No Deal. Look at the money values. Oh, what's a fortune? It could be in this box. That, that's too up like it's supposed to be more like 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 countdown it's supposed to be hi welcome to deal or no deal this is our player today let's have a little fun and then dramatic beats hit at certain moments and you have those interject moments because then there's your reason to show up when the blues get picked up and oh they're off the board you don't have a penny in here no 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 it, it, it's to me it, it needs a, it's a lot of work it still needs a lot of work. I'm hopeful the show gets better, but I think having one, two, three, four, five thousand dollars, and then seven thousand five hundred dollars is a dream killer.
it's it's kind of like first season let's make a deal with wayne brady when a good chunk of the game was four hundred dollars or this box budget is everything on a game show i just want to say that right now uh i, I know this should be on game shows i suppose and this is the, supposed to be the non-game show aspect thing a lot of people go game shows because they're cheap yes they are notoriously cheap it, it makes sense you know why they're cheap though is because they have sponsorship deals product placement deals merchandise and they find ways to make money up from the cost of making the game show through advertising so hey here's your parting gift and the sponsor who spent shitloads of money and offers up stuff is there to give you rice aroni rice aroni pays for the game show it it, it it didn't just drop off some rice and go yeah give it to the players who cares that's why you see on Wheel of Fortune a lot of uh, interstitial ads. Like, this is the mystery round by Eglin's Best Eggs. That's how they make the fucking money. Price is right. A good chunk of those prizes are sponsors. And if they're not, they just kind of just skip ahead. And it's like, oh, this is a can of lima beans. Versus, hey, this is Lipton iced tea. Ice cold Lipton. I and you get your 30 second plug. Uh... It is, to, at least to me, uh, why game shows are notoriously cheap. And no one's cracked the code yet on the internet except for like things like Jet Lag and Game Changer, um, because uh, Game Changer is a streaming service. It's paid for by Dropout subscribers, and uh, Jet Lag is paid for by essentially uh, Nebula subscribers in addition to any AdSense revenue that they get from the youtube channel so it, 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 it it's kind of weird the way media is working shifting and all this sort of stuff i i think game shows can still have a second life on the internet but a lot of them i i think need to be better i just found out last week that they canceled cheat on netflix and i thought that was one of the best new formats but of course it would make sense because cheat as a quiz game would make a perfect game show on a television network not netflix when you can do ad breaks like hey who are you going to vote for find out after this you have your hook to go to commercial it works as a straightforward a beginning to a no commercial it also works but for an entirely different reason plus the time shifting means the final round which is the head-to-head uh, one push gamble uh, basically means that this game can end at any time so if you're an editor you can't really make a tight 42 minutes that tells me a lot uh, game shows are still fragmented and nowadays game shows are a part of uh, network and sometimes they're good I will say the price uh, uh, press your luck with Elizabeth Bank remains the best game show currently on television these days. Of course, things like Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune stand test of time. Price is right, same way. Let's make a deal with Wayne Brady has reinvented that game show in a positive way. Uh, it, 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 and then you get new shows. Luteria Loca recently got canceled. Raid the Cage somehow ended up surviving well enough that it kind of got some traction. Um, I liked it. 
but I'm still a little on edge because I still think, man, if they've got it, to me, it's, man, if only they had a bigger set, better blocking, something cool like that, oh, I would be so thrilled, but I will take what I can get with, with Raid the Cage right now. Anyway, all these game shows make me very happy. I'm excited. I still am. Uh, Squid Games is coming up tomorrow, the 22nd, uh, and... I'm a little hesitant about that show. People are telling me, oh, it's actually good. Uh, yeah, but so is the Mr. Beast video. And I think the big problem is, can a... Squid Games was supposed to be about capitalism bad. That was like, just like Parasite, capitalism bad. And I don't know if they can bring that into a reality show that is essentially Squid Games, but no death. The only way it could work is if they kind of hammer home how disposable the contestants are in a cinematography standpoint. Otherwise, it's just fan service, which is just sort of, eh, in my opinion. Uh, so, 007 and Squid Games, both media properties that have their own game show spinoff. Harry Potter had like a game show at one point that was all trivia, and I think Helen Mirren was the was the host. It, it's... No, it is Dame Judy Dench. Oh. Other. Okay. Anyway, I, what, I'm getting, what I'm trying to get at here is uh, game shows are okay, but the media landscape is going to continue being fucked until we get a lot of better shows out there. Uh, the, the topic I wanted to really talk about today was essentially... This is the big talking point. Why do things suck now? Why do things suck now? Uh, that was the main feature I want to talk about today. But I didn't want to make that like the whole episode because I want to end with Thanksgiving. I want to talk Thanksgiving. To me, that's my favorite part. So, excluding me right now, take me out of the equation because I'm sure I have a jaded view. Already, you saw Elon Musk destroy Twitter, and I think for a lot of people, that was a social media drug of choice, and more or less, it's exposed how terrible that website is. It's kind of gone from, like, cigarettes with tar to now more tar, <laughs> like, in a way that is really unhealthy for you. I recently deleted X, but uh, when I feel like, oh man, I should really check the notifications, I just go to x.com and it goes, it redirects to twitter.com and then you get to see your notifications and then sometimes I respond, but I don't check it as much and I feel a lot better for that. But a lot of it is the discourse. I, Twitter is a discourse magnet because, oh, what the fuck are we doing here and there and there? Same thing with YouTube. Um, so I want to go with those two first, and then Twitch maybe. Twitch I don't really. I, to me, Twitch is is sort of just uh, reaction videos and let's play videos, and sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. But uh, it's not my domain. But a lot of it when, when it goes into drama shit or IRL uh, toxic shit, I don't I don't care. I don't like it. Um, but Twitter, uh, okay, so, uh, let's go with the main story, like, the Marvels. 
when the Marvels was coming out, and I wanted to record an episode before that came out, where essentially the story would be, this is going to fail, and I was going to, because I predicted that that movie is going to fail. But I wanted to say it in a way that wasn't very uh, toxic masculinity, uh, anti-SJW kind of shit. I could, because I, I understand the appeal uh, for it. I will say, however, Barbie's a more feminist movie than The Marvels. I, I think The Marvels is trying to. The Marvel movies have have, have been shit in a good long time. I. Everyone's going, oh, but what about the Thanos? No, that movie sucked too. You were just excited because, oh, it had a good conclusion with Captain America. But you're still watching the new shit. You're still watching Falcon Winter Soldier. You're still watching WandaVision. But Marvel has rang when they got... Okay, so they retconned a good chunk of, of Agent Carter. They retconned a whole lot of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they basically said, none of this shit matters. Even though they said to you, this shit does. They got rid of Daredevil, but now Daredevil's back. They got rid of Luke Cage, but Luke Cage is kind of hinted at. They got rid of Jessica Jones, the best Marvel television show ever created. Poof, no more. And they expect you to continue to eat the same old slop over and over again, expecting you to go, yes, but this one's good. And speaking to somebody who gives these shows a chance, I do try and touch the poop. The only good one I have enjoyed in quite a while was She-Hulk, and that was because, hey, she's actually self-aware this is a streaming show, this is a lawyer show, and they even make a dig about Marvel being really, like, inconsistent. I think those were the kind of things that I kind of liked about She-Hulk in a way that's like, yes, this is my jam. I didn't feel that same way of Loki. I didn't feel that same way of Moon Knight. I don't feel that same way with most of these shows, and that includes Miss Marvel. If it was me, it should be Lockjaw that has the own show, not fucking Miss Marvel. But because Kamala Khan was this influential character in 2008, 2009, around the time of Barack Obama's presidency, Time slowed down, and now we finally get a Kamala Khan TV show, which led to this movie, which barely has her in it, because her gimmick is she's stretchy and can have a big fist to punch things, and she's a big fangirl of Marvel and the Avengers. It, it just, to me, is disappointing. It's not Captain Marvel, Boo, Brie Larson. I thought that version was just military propaganda. I didn't feel like I was watching a Marvel movie. I felt like I was watching a, hey, remember the 90s? Wasn't that cool? Remember Blockbuster Video? Hey, join the Air Force. The, Captain Marvel is the Green Lantern. It's, that's it. It's the Green Lantern movies. It, <laughs> so it really isn't that good of a, of a movie franchise, but hey, if you like Captain Marvel, maybe rewatch Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern and get back to me, because exactly the same CGI, almost beat-to-beat -beat story points, it's the same fucking movie. So, when thing like the Marvels show up, you have a character that was on an okay movie, but has kind of 
been a few years since relevancy. Like, she barely was even in the Age of Ultron movies. Well, not Age of Ultron, the Thanos series. And you have a new character that was in a TV show. Not a movie. And so we're expected to celebrate that this TV character is in a movie. And you have... What was the other character? And then you expect it to be a big successful film and, and get the same amount of money when Marvel basically has told audiences yet any of this shit doesn't matter people who die can be resurrected anything's possible so none of this shit actually matters you've also destroyed the, the casual audience you've ca- and you've gotten rid of a good die hard audience because die hard audiences when you tell them none of this shit matters well obviously but it's the but you told me this shit matters now you're telling me it doesn't fuck you and they're out and that's your fatigue that's your superhero fatigue it's not fatigue fatigue it's you you basically insulted my intelligence here when i spent a good chunk of my life writing fan fictions about stony and now it doesn't matter fuck that's what you get additionally uh you have a tv shows that only subscribers of Disney Plus watch. That's not really everybody. Not everybody watches these shows because TV shows aren't movies. Movies are movies. Uh, and you have to really come up with a good enough TV show to spin it off. And I don't think anyone will ever do something like that because, hey, if you have the X-Men, that wouldn't make a good live-action TV show. That makes a good movie, even though it was a cartoon 90s. Um, so with all this fatigue it's not a fatigue it's you insulted my intelligence secondly casual audiences of Marvel movies don't give a shit because I don't know any of these characters and I don't watch the fucking TV show because I'm a grown ass adult I wanted a cool action show and you, you didn't give them an action thing Scorsese is right Scorsese is right. Um, that being said, of course that movie is doomed to fail. But it's not, ooh, we're against the woke, and oh, woke go broke. No, no, you can do an all-women movie thing. That actually sounds fucking cool. I mean, it wasn't the appeal of Charlie's Angels back in the 70s when you were a grown adult instead of a 50-year-old begrudgingly grandpa kind of person? Anyway, uh, to me, the Marvels, um, I, I think that would have made a good direct to Disney Plus show and would be fine. Not as a fucking movie. And also with the budget that they had, it's outlandish. Disney has put so many fucking movies out this year that I think they wasted almost $3 billion on stuff that no one watched. Indiana Jones 5, Haunted Mansion, Guardians 3, the Marvels, it keeps going. I'm sure there's a Star Wars movie somewhere in there that I have just forgotten about. And a Star Wars TV show I've forgotten about. Yeah, Ashoka is forgettable. Sorry if you love that cartoon. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. It wasn't a good enough show. What, I, what we need to really focus on is you can't have it both ways. I will say this right now. You can't have it both ways. I, I, The same people who say, 
I want that lower graphic games when people who get paid more and look like uh, like PlayStation 1 graphics and I'm not kidding that kind of shit are the same people in the same breath go oh my god I can't wait to see the fucking Spider-Man movie again I can't wait to see Tom Holland butcher up New, <laughs> New York accents yet again <laughs> Boy, Tony stalking me on the top of papa. That's how it goes. It's crappy. It's not good. I I, I think Marvel should really. You could try and renew and refresh and all this. I think they're just gonna keep doing this because they're gonna feel like oh we can make our money. If it was me, I would just be treating it like a Bond film now. It's yeah. There's gonna always be a new Bond movie. But now it's not in universe and we have all these big ensembles. Go back to one and done's. Do the whatever you you want to uh, help um, to help get more directors in there and make it less budget. Like, hey, I would you know what? Make a twenty million dollar Kitty Pride movie. I'll watch it. Um, make a forty million dollar um, movie. Uh, not Fantastic Four, because I think that's been done so many times. Uh, but, like, uh, the, the fucking, uh, what's what's that insurance thing called? What's the insurance in Marvel called? I'm not going to look it up. Damage Corp? Damage Control? Make a $40 million comedy based on damage control. Things like that could be done on less money, on less budget, and be just as fun. And you don't have to make four fucking movies a year. You could make one every two years or three years, and it's okay. The TV shows connecting the universes, it doesn't sell. For, but again, I come from game shows, so maybe my perspective is wrong here. A good chunk of good television that's scripted, and I guess Simpsons is the misnomer here because adult animation apparently they should let that show die by the way they should just let the simpsons die even though the show is getting okay it's tough to hear homie oh dear when the voice is clearly about to die you feel bad for julie klausner uh, it, it just tv shows are finite i i don't think you should really have a show last more than maybe like five six seasons I know there's It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fans going, oh, what, what about, what about, what about? But those are the same people who are just like the fans of The Simpsons that just go back to old episodes and not really the new shit. Hey, hey, It's Always Sunny Philadelphia fans, I know you still want that show to continue for as long as possible, but you keep doing the Dayman Nightman thing and the Kitten Minutes and all the memes from like early Charlie Day. Maybe let Charlie Day make movies. Let Rob McAnally work on Wrexham. It'll be okay. They've already beat Ozzy and Harriet. They'll be fine. <laughs> Let the Simpsons die. Let the South Park die. Let a lot of these shows that lasted 20 years die. Let Daily Show die. Let, like, I love new ideas. I, and a lot of old ideas, sure, you can bring them back. But it comes into that reboot era that we live in now. 
because networks aren't really smart with the, there's not, I'm not gonna say they're not smart. These are all IPs and they wanna keep the IPs they're trying to do at Disney. But at the same time, they just don't give a shit. Hey, I get it. Magnum PI is back. Miami Vice is back. The Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie. Uh, they brought back everything you remember from the 90s in one form or another. Everything from Boy Meets World to Full House to Zoe 101 <laughs> to all that. There's a good burger, too. Out tomorrow, same day as Squid Games. Who's going to get the more views? The Squid Games game show or Good Burger 2? You already know. But if you, hey, if you love I'm a dude, he's a dude, she's a dude, we're all dudes, yeah. Maybe you'll watch the Good Burger Mobile. It's going to be at the Macy's Parade. So here's where we're at. Generation Remix has basically mixed everything to the point of it's basically too frothy. That's basically the best way to describe it. Yes, everything is back, but everything needs to be gone too. We, we can bring back Deal or No Deal, but it's now Deal or No Deal Island because island game shows are trendy. We watch people talk about uh, Bachelor in Paradise, and we also really watched, uh, was it, Naked and Afraid? And uh, a few few Netflix shows, and we think we can do that here too. It's also cheaper to do that than the combinations of an island with a hotel uh, and just a fun little set. Anyway, uh, it's all Garbo. They're all trying to highlight that moment when you were best as a kid or best as a teenager in the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s. It's not going to be 2010s. I don't think 2010s nostalgia can ever really happen on network television because about 2010s is when Generation Remix kind of started. So with the 80s, hey, there's Transformers, there's Care Bears, there's Cabbage Patch Kids, there's um, uh, Polly Pocket, Strawberry Shortcake, My Little Pony, uh, and then uh, there's going to be in the 90s we're going to go straight to maybe ally mcbeal gets a reboot nypd blue gets a reboot x files got a soft reboot remember that the x files remember the twilight zone got rebooted wasn't that fun you're going to keep going hey remember uh uh sam and cat no remember uh what was it the zach and cody Sweet Life with Zack and Cody. Everyone talked about a fucking restaurant for a week, and I don't get the reference because that was a kid's show. And I was a grown adult when that episode arrived. I don't watch kid's shows that often, especially Disney Channel shows. So, hey, maybe there's a reference from Sunny with a Chance or Shake It Up that I have not really seen or known about. But in 10 years' time, some kid is going to have that reference all over the fucking social medias. And that's how I know I'm fucking too old for this shit. Anyway, so if you really want to know where nostalgia is at, take the current year, minus 16, and that is the pinpoint of when things are nostalgic from that decade, because the kids who are teenagers at that point were two or three years old in the zeitgeist of, of when that show arrived. 
so they will get nostalgic for it. So that's your, your big litmus test here. So for instance, it is currently 2013, so anything from 2007 is the current decade to get really nostalgic about. So anything from TV shows to movies, that's where you can really um, go into. So, um, anyway, let's look, 2007 in TV, because that's how we do a lot of streaming shows. Okay. Hey, remember Playhouse Disney? Hey, remember when Drew Carey took over for The Price is Right? Hey, remember, uh, K plus 8? Remember Acceptable.TV? Oh, God. <laughs> That was that Channel 101 show. <laughs> Remember Pirate Master on CBS? No one does. And I thought that was way earlier. I thought that was like 2004. Remember the Singing Bee? Remember uh, Power of Ten? That's a How Drew Guys show. Remember Murphy's Crosswords? Remember TMZ? TMZ started. Remember Chuck? The TV show Chuck? With the nerd herd, the Best Buy guy who becomes a spy. Remember Pushing Daisies? Remember Wizards of Waverly Place? Remember A Shot at Love with Tila Tequila? Remember America's Most Smartest Model with Ben Stein? People are going to be fucking nostalgic over Duel again, aren't they? Oh, hey, we're almost in time for the fucking My Little Pony resurgence. My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. Oh, the internet's going to be thrilled. The whole brony culture resurgence. Oh, I was a brony, and then bronies grew up. Oh, that's going to be fun internet content in, like, 2022. Oh, good. Uh, anyway, <laughs> not 2022, it's 2023 right now. 2032. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Anyway, the reason things suck now is because a lot of these TV channels don't really want to take a chance. So there's two options. You can, one, uh, find an international format and bring it over here, like Ghosts on CBS uh, or The Mass Singer for Fox. Or you can just bring back something that worked at one point in time and nostalgia grab into network, like Pyramid on ABC, like The Wonder Years on ABC, like something. Now, there are times where there is original ideas because you have a Chuck Lorre on board or you're NBC and you really need that new crime drama. So you're trying to build your own universe. Um, but it, it, those are, like, I would say those are the ones that need the most love and attention. And I will say this. Those networks set the new shows that are the original ideas out to die. Young Rock, for instance, uh, which was Young, which was Dwayne Johnson's bio sitcom, was, I would say, pretty funny. I like that kind of show. But they put it on Fridays at 8 o'clock at one point, the last season, against Friday Night Smackdown. So if you're a wrestling fan, you're not going to be watching the wrestling-based sitcom. 
and you're not gonna move the knight in time, you just want it to fucking die. That's gonna be the case of a lot of things. So why things suck now is essentially, your nostalgia time is almost up. And it's kind of coming back around and now people are going, oh God, this kind of sucks. But it's always gonna continue. Nostalgia is this weird bicycle effect. It's always gonna keep going round and round and round. There's always gonna be something new. And there's gonna be a new dinosaur Dracula. And it's gonna be with like, hey, remember Webkins? And you're just gonna have to sit through it as you get older and older and older. We're kind of currently, I would say, in my area, which is the 30-something-year-old, which is, I would say, the pioneer of young kid on the internet. Because uh, this was the Windows 95 generation. It became 98, 2000s, the Blueberry iMac, all that shit. We, we were the kids that screw attack and AVGN and Xbox 360 was a new console. And... Oh, that was fun. I once have a video where I got to show people how to watch Angry Video Game Nerd on an Xbox 360. I feel old. I am one of these old YouTubers. When when people go, hey, remember this YouTuber? Like, hey, remember Irate Gamer? Yeah, I do. Remember Nostalgia Crick? I certainly do. Hey, remember Will It Blend? I certainly do. All these, like, reviewer types, it's like, I... I, I talked about them once on a website. I, 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 I mean, I'm glad no one remembers Busy Street that well because holy shit, I said some really offensive shit. But at the same time, I didn't leave that much of a lasting impact. I thought people feared me for a moment. That's scary. <laughs> I was making fun of the internet reviewer culture because at the time everyone was, oh, fuck it, shit, this is the worst thing. I can't believe I have to watch this. And it's like, well, no, you don't have to watch it. You are just getting yourself worked up because you want to get angry because that's what triggers the viewership because the internet is a big depressing spot where people who are lonely want something to lash out at. So they're going to watch somebody getting angry or violent because that feeds into their own psychological behaviors because of their own misery. Rather, it is through their teenage adolescent period or uh, going through a bad breakup or going through a lot of really horrible shit in their lives so hey i'm gonna watch nostalgia thing which is a video game nerd and a guy gets angry about a video game yeah i played that game and it did suck ass yeah can you do that again with this and they'll go from there or nostalgia critic yeah i watched that movie it was it was shit fuck yeah even if that movie was good and i loved it oh it's my favorite i really loved the page master when i was a kid no, you thought it was fucking shit because you said it was shit in the comments section of Nostalgia Critic. So what is it, Brainiac? That is what led to a lot of the internet reviewers, switcheroos. I would hate to say Gamergate, but a lot of Gamergate spawns from people doing the reviewer rant characters and then spinning that off into... But actually, it's just conservative, you know ideology that I actually care about so uh, this person's gay so uh, they suck or this person's a woman that's woke but because I like this shit and you need to get angry and violent and I need attention 
Ah, Captain America, fucker. Uh, they got woke now because Agent Carter. Oh, Captain Marvel, Brie Larson doesn't smile. Ah, money, please. And that's, that's, quote, I, it's not the grift. It's just that's the, the attention. That's how they make the fucking money. Because that fucking thing works. That's how a lot of the internet works. That's why a lot of the things suck. Why do things suck now? The internet has made it suck. You have to go through a big web of, of like, bullshit. X is unwatchable now. You, you can't go through a minute without a porn bot replying or a porn bot following or a blue check mark trying to respond, but they only have one follower and it's clearly another bot. And you're just sort of like, I don't want to be here anymore. YouTube is the same way. You see a lot of people make content and then two things happen. They get burnt out and they quit or they stop making videos altogether and they make whenever they feel like it, which is uh, to me the best way to do YouTube videos. Or they have to keep making the same old shit over and over again because that's what works and that's what people expect. And then you end up pigeonholing yourself in a way that just sort of is annoying. That's why I don't really enjoy Angry Video Gamer. Even though James has made videos where he's like, yeah, this game's good, actually. No, I want him to be pissed and say ass and poop on Bugs Bunny like he did back in 2009. It, it doesn't work that way. We have all moved on. We all grow. We all adapt. And a lot of good YouTubers, what I have noticed, and this is just what I've noticed, they have all moved on in one form or another. Um, I Justine. I, I, I once made a, a lot of jokes about I Justine because she was essentially uh, playing a ditzy girl. I'm a ditzy, I'm I Justine. Using the I just because iPods, iMacs, it was a time, all right? But Justine, the lady, is a kind of a fun lady. She's kind of cool. If you ever see interview, she's kind of neat. And I think she was just trying to find her place on the internet. So she tried to do Let's Play videos horribly, like Portal 2. She, she tries to do tech reviews, which isn't really her thing. However, she has basically made it so she's now like a tech reporter. And I think that's actually a perfect sort of area. She's sometimes does like uh, celebrity shows as a guest judge, but what she's basically, she's changed herself from, I'm going to be on things like survive the night and be a character like all of these other YouTubers that decided to show up like Matt Pat. And I'm now going to be like a, like kind of a fucking sports reporter, but with things that matter to me and actually try and feel like a journalist. To me, I, that's adaption. That's cool. There's certain videos I still want to watch, or I'm not going to say, hey, follow and subscribe. But I love that that's her... She's taking her passions and moving and adapting. I love that. I love that um, Red Letter Media... They don't really do Plinket reviews that much. There's no more Star Wars. It's not only shit. Oh my god. Because they kind of 
I mean, that's being a fucking dead horse at this point. You're just kind of going, Star Wars sucks. Disney kind of fucked up Star Wars. <laughs> no one cares. It's fandom is all that matters for Disney because they can make money. They don't care about making a good film. And that's why I love that they do different things. And it's not even superhero comic book shit anymore. Like, it is, hey, we'll find some B-movies. We'll find some cool movies. We will, best of the worst, as funny as that is, the ones that I like the most are like when it's actually good movies. And they're actually like, oh, this caught me by surprise. And I want to talk about them. Review which is another show that they do, where they celebrate a, a, a God movie. I love that. Because it's the it's a flip of what we've known them for, which is, ah, oh, fuck movie, bullshit, garbage. That, that sort of negative reaction. It shows that they actually like shit. Um, I think a lot of that sort of mentality is sort of just generic now. You... you Everyone can say something sucks, but not a lot of people can explain why. That's why I come in, and I explain why a lot of these things work. For instance, the Dealer No Deal UK can work. It really is going to be budgetary reasons that kills that show. Because having a thousand dollars, two thousand, three, four, five thousand, is not Dream Factory. That's pee the fucking rent. That's not a fucking dream. That is scraping by. Um. That's not aspirational television. That is reality. <laughs> so, with things like, um, another thing is, um, a lot of game content. Um, like, Noclip now has their own spinoff, and they got to do, like, a sponsored deal with Valve for the 25th of Half-Life. It was pretty good. I don't like Frank Howley's voice. Me, it's still very weird to hear Frank Howley do serious shit because he's always to me the Mega 64 friend that's very obnoxious and trying to be wacky. So, it, it, I, so when I hear him try and speak serious about a game, I don't take him at face value. In the same way, let's have about the Funked Land. Like, I, I. Okay, so the, the Funk Plane video came out today, or yesterday, the Epcot video. I liked it, um, but I didn't love it. I love the music. I love the way it was trying to tell the story through an experience. But it didn't, it didn't stick the landing to me. And it's not, oh, well, we need Kevin Persher's voice. No, I get what they were going for with Talking Heads being the focal point and there's a fucking book that is written by Kevin uh, that actually you can just read along and that's Kevin's voice but no it, it, it just sort of it didn't really it didn't nail the landing for me and that's what I and the, here's the thing though these I don't know how to feel things I will take that 100% of the time and that, to me, is why I love the internet. That's why, I, and this is the spin, it sucks because everything's stagnant. On TV, it's it's reboots, it's adaptions, and it's really what can be done cheap, hopefully go viral on the internet to continue promoting the shows as we fizzle away into streaming. But for something like uh, internet shows on YouTube, 
you don't have to do the same fucking shit day in, day out. And you could try something different. You could make a horror movie. And then the next day, decide to do a video game. Then you could decide to do something else. I love that. I love that experimentation. If it was me and I was younger and had like the cameras, the tripods, the lighting kits, I would be doing that. If I had the time, I would. That would be kind of where I would be kind of headed. It's. I. I would first be trying to continue doing game shows, I suppose, more often. But it's. To me, it is. I love that experimentation online of you can do something and try something else and try something else to find out who you are. That's what Mr. Beast fucking did, and that's what he keeps doing. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna promote Mr. Beast right now. Hey, here is this Mr. Beast guy. He's kind of a big deal. But the reason I think Mr. Beast does well is yes, there's all these game show contest kind of things. But then there's like a challenge video where he buries himself alive. And then there's like a, a feel-good video where he uh, makes a well in Africa. And there, it, it just keeps adapting that he always tries something new. And I think you need to have that kind of aesthetic to work on the internet. And that doesn't really work on television because you want to do the same old shit for as long as possible because that's how you... Uh, solidify yourself to make money because we know your track record because you're the game show person you're the horror director and you can make something like this you made a sitcom before because those are the pitch meetings where you make money because these are million dollar throws is hey I'm giving you 20 million dollars to make this TV show Online, you don't get $20 million. You don't even get $20,000, to be honest. I, I really need to see some of the, the financial records for some YouTubers. Because they, they can't afford a warehouse, I've noticed. And warehouses aren't cheap. Not even Mega64s is... is uh, I, I would say that's pretty high pricey. So they must be making a lot of money off merch sales, DVD sales, and live tour and enough to still pay for food and rent and whatever novelties Rocco buys every week. Uh, <laughs> so the internet is where everything is going. But the problem is, as everyone goes to the internet, everyone's going to try to make their name for themselves. So much like Twitch, you're going to see a lot of uh, zero-view wonders like the shit I make on the internet. And also, you're going to see a lot of what I will say despicable garbage. That's your um, AI generated fake videos um, that is presented as truth. That's your angry guy screams in his car that he can't see his kids, even though he can't pay child support because the mom is woke or some garbage like that. Someone getting upset about pronouns on a bio uh, for a person. It's all, it's all the same kind of knee-jerk reaction garbage. And I don't have time for that. Again, I don't watch a lot of these videos. It's, it's mostly still game shows for me at the time being, just because it helps me feel better. Um, but the one I will actually say that's also pretty funny is Brutal Moose. Um, I... He... Okay, so... It's weird. I don't... I 
if I remember correctly, he started out on a like a screw attack knockoff. I always call him screw attack knockoffs because in like 2009, 2010, when I was doing Busy Street, there was this big influx of YouTube congregation websites. There was Channel Awesome for thatguytheglasses.com. There was Screw Attack. There was Game Heroes. Uh, Jeff Mendocino had Freeze Cracker with Frank Halley. Had uh, Healing Touch, which was one that I guest wrote for a few times. Uh, you had there's a lot of these like these gaming things. There was uh, Normal Boots, which was Gerard the Completionist website, and this was Hidden Block, which was I think Peanut Butter Gamers uh, thing. And you you see so many of these like. YouTube aggregates and in the early time that's just connections and it made somewhat sense of hey websites are still a thing and these are YouTube videos if we all pool our resources together we can get the same audience by growing with each other hey I'm here for this guy and then this guy makes a video so person one will watch person two's video and vice versa oh if I watch uh, the Spoonie Experiment, I will watch Nostalgia Critic, and then I will watch Nostalgia Chick, and then I'll watch Linkara, and things like that. Or I watch Screw Attack, oh, I watch the top 10 list with, with uh, Stuttering Craig, oh, I'll watch the Death Battle Show, oh, I will watch Pro Jared Scrubs Show, set in a game thing that's kind of like Control Alt Delete, but not really. Anyway, uh, that was a, bi a big thing at the time. So Brewmus had this hidden block thing, and a lot of his old videos are still on his YouTube channel, obviously, because he got successful doing game reviews. And what I like is, as I'm seeing his like old archive, is he goes from game reviews to like, now he's going to eat food. Now he's going to go play arcade games and review them. Now he's going to talk about a toy. Now he's going to talk about blank VHS tapes. He has this way for doing adaption in different videos. He reviewed Beat the Clock on something called Televoid. And while well, I knew everything about that show, and God, I hate when YouTubers talk about game shows because I'm the fucking game show. Me, it's mine. It's all mine. All mine. I'm the only one. Me. Not Scott Kramer. Me. No, but seriously, I'm... <laughs> He did a really good review of that because some of the things about Beat the Clock being referenced were very funny and I thought that, that was a good episode because it's a very funny look at that game show. Um, <clears throat> anyway, the reason I want to bring up Brill Moose is he has this way of adapting in a way that I kind of like because he doesn't always just do food reviews now. Everyone goes brutal foods and, and then he's like, oh, I want to do a I don't really want to do some food. I don't want to be known as, like, the food guy. I want to do other things. It's like, that's exactly... That is my thoughts exactly. I, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself. You want to keep adapting and doing cool things. Otherwise, you just stick yourself. Um, I, I mean, I love game shows, but obviously that's not my pinpoint, is it? <laughs> so I want to give a quick shout to Brutal Moose. Um because he is very transparent, very funny, has these 
great like Tim and Eric style weird shots that I like uh, and just this good sense of humor and his ability to adapt and it's like well I've never done this before let's try it and he, he sets himself up for success and failure at the same time that if it fails it's funny and it works and if it's good it still works to me that's kind of what I love about a good chunk of YouTube when it's someone trying something different that's why I want to give him a shout out and like recently he on his website um, he talked about uh, his sponsorship with HelloFresh and he, he loves that, that product HelloFresh but a problem that comes with why YouTubers doing these brand deals like you have to you know when you watch a YouTube video and it's this video is sponsored by HelloFresh and uh, this video is sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends that the, you put yourself in a contract and a lot of these contracts say you agree uh, that you're going to get paid this amount and you're going to make one video every month that promotes this but before you upload it you have to send it to our team for verification and we have to give the final approval and it just becomes this, this hiccupy thing and I, as much as you know that's a good way for youtubers to get money because let's face it that's just the only way to make fucking money these days is the fucking product placement or subscription services there's no in between uh, it, it does fuck with you on a creative standpoint. Defunctland can't do that because he spent almost a full six months, maybe even a couple of years on the recent Epcot video. He can't do that in a month. A lot of the great, like H-Bomber guy. I don't think he's made a video in over a year. I'm sure he's going to upload a video probably by the time I, I upload this episode. But imagine him going and that's why i go to curiosity stream no it does you can't it doesn't work it, it doesn't work anymore because if you force someone to do a month by month or week by week it will drain them because what you're seeing is a lot of people who are solo who are writing and recording and editing they're they're hiccuping and and then they have to and then, uh, or they're burning themselves out because they need to keep making it because of these deadlines, because of the financial benefits, because of the Patreon. I, I know many of you aren't on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Haas, because it's a chip jar, but I sometimes do update videos where I basically just give therapy sessions where I talk about how sad I am and what's been going on in my life. Um... <clears throat> A good chunk of my thoughts is I feel like I, a Patreon where I'm not doing much is just uneasy for me because I feel like if you're throwing money, I have to give you a lot of things. And I feel like because I haven't been updating regularly because of obvious reasons, boy, that fucking sucks. I feel like I'm letting people down. I feel like I want to do more and it just can't happen. And that's, that's what annoys me. And that frustration is what every content creator probably goes through when it comes to, I have to have a deadline, I have to make a video, I have to do this, I have to do that. And they burn themselves out. I don't, I don't want to burn myself out. In fact, I don't have time to really do much content. But a big positive, why things don't suck, is adaptability. The ability to change, 
and the ability to do a lot more cool items. Obviously, I can't be doing it this year. Family problems, you already know. But um, if I was around this year, what I would be doing is a Thanksgiving Day Parade marathon, where I'd be watching every Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and trying my best to do the Macy's Parade this year with me instead of Al Roker and Hoda Kotb. And because a good chunk of why people hate that Macy's Parade is they don't know what the hell they're talking about when the balloons show up. Like, Bluey shows up, and it's he instead of she. Bluey's a girl. Uh, or uh, Goku from Funimations. This is his um, super... This is his Super Saiyan blue form. It, it, it just becomes very awkward, and I guess that's kind of viral a bit. And this year, Monkey D. Luffy from uh, One Piece is going to show up celebrating 25 years of one piece there's a live action netflix show all that good stuff but it's like hell here he is join this kid as he becomes king of the pirates on his pirate ship with friends zoro nami and sanji like that's gonna that's all you can do it just it's so embarrassing i love the thanksgiving day parade though um if I had the time, I would be doing that. I would be watching the 90s, the 2000s, and just have fun with the nostalgia grabs. I love the Thanksgiving Day Parade because uh, it's strictly American, because it's all promotional. It's all food mascots and cartoon characters and marching bands who like raise shitloads of money. The funniest thing for me, because I, I feel like it's quite the bullshit, is we have this high school marching band and it's like 200 kids and it's like and they flew out to new york to perform in the parade today and they had to raise four hundred thousand dollars and they had to do that through uh selling stuff and, and car washes and bake sales and it's like and here they perform here's the marching band and then it's like five seconds of like and then coming up, Ariana Grande and the Santa Claus when Macy's parade continues. And you're just like, oh, wow. They spent over half a million dollars to march in the parade and they got like five seconds of airtime. That's funny. <laughs> and then, of course, the scary clown. Um, and then it's like, uh, here's a Broadway performance. So let's stop everything. So you can get your shit in Spongebob the Musical. It, it, it just, it's very funny. It's like, the, it's the biggest shit show, but the funniest thing for a kid to watch because it's, oh my god, Cheezosaurus Rex. Oh my god, the Pillsbury Doughboy. Oh my god, Arthur the Aardvark. <laughs> it's like the greatest thing. It, to me, it feels good. I, I want it's that's like a shoot my shot moment in addition to like making the new g4 which was last like two two episodes ago was dream ambition the 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 dropout g4 premise and being a game show producer i want to be the voice of the macy's parade i want to see crest this <laughs> i want to be the new seacrest um anyway i want to do that for the macy's parade because to me that's fun I think it's my favorite holiday still on the year's day. Uh, anyway, 
Uh, that is it. I'm going to be calling this uh, right now uh, because obviously my voice is dying and I need to take a sleep. Uh, but for right now, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I'll see you sometime in the near future for another episode of Podcast Jordan Haas. Follow me on Blue Sky. I'm Jordan Haas. Whatever it is, I'm still on Twitter X, but I won't see you follow. I'm on Instagram, all that good stuff. But please check out jordanhaas.com for all the new updates. Patreon.com slash jordanhaas for other updates. And, um, yeah, I hate, I hate this. I hate when my voice is this dry. I also hate when I'm very sleepy. Anyway, uh, I'm going to try and get the right balance. I want to get some Japanese chips and watch some Japanese game shows. Then I want to go get some um, some uh, Spanish candy. You know, the ones, the tamarind stuff. And watching some of that, uh, some of the new Spanish game shows that's been making the rounds. I, I That's how I feel. That's, that, that's, that's just kind of my joy. That's my little treats to myself. It's my own pleasure dome of treats. I want, I want to gold belly myself a whole New Zealand lamb roast and watch uh, Taskmaster New Zealand. <laughs> that's, that's fucked up, but... Uh, hey, what's your favorite food combinations? Let me know in the comments section. Uh, remember to adapt, expand, will work. And we'll see you again soon. I will be uh, watching the Thanksgiving Day Parade tomorrow, eat some ham, and take a nap. Uh, so that, that's it. Uh, until next time, this is obviously Jordan Haas signing off. Good night. Hey, bonus content real quick. Uh, so the Game Awards just came out. Um, I wanted to uh, quickly go into the Game Awards. Now, the problem with the Game Awards this year is I haven't played most of these games. A lot of the games that have been playing, I've been watching third person, uh, mostly because a lot of these games I'm not that interested in, like Starfield. Others, like Spider-Man 2, boy, I would love to play it, but I don't own a PlayStation 5. And then others, I, I just... I'm not at the computer. I'm not really playing on the console, so I, I can't really play to judge if the game is good. However, I do have a Switch, so I played Zelda and Mario, and those are kind of fun games. Um, so I've been voting on there, and I to me, it, it's a very interesting list of games that are the, uh, the game of the year list. Every year, people fight tooth and nail. 
Uh, but it's mostly just the mini E3 game trailers that they care about these days. For me, I kind of liked the old Giant Bomb concept where it was like a top 10 list of the games you enjoyed. I still have to figure out the 10 games I've played this year because it's not a lot. I barely even got to play Jackbox Party Pack. But we'll see what happens when the day comes, when that happens. Uh, for me, though, um, I know that the night is still early. Uh, there's still November and December. Uh, but for me, my game of the year pick will be Super Mario Wonder. I think between that and Zelda, uh, Zelda was a really fun one because that's a fun puzzly kind of exploration game. And I've had a lot of fun with that, but Mario Wonder to me, um, was, was a real surprising game because to me, that game is about the surprise of platforming, um, I know if I, I played Spider-Man 2, it'd probably be that game. But I for me, Mario Wonder, because of all the games so far, that one intrigues me the most. Anyway, I'm going to hang up now and, and take a nap. Good night.